0: Good to have you with us today, joining us uh, from your living room, and uh, we have some folks here that have come to worship God, and we're having a good time in the Lord. Back to school Sunday, some of the school supplies are here. If you need to pick up some supplies for your children and grandchildren, uh, please uh, let us know and uh, come by and pick them up uh, if you're not here today. Well, we're getting ready to go back to school, and uh, I thought I'd try to bring a little bit of school humor, uh, key uh, emphasis on humor. A teacher in second grade says, Willie, name one important thing we have today that we didn't have 10 years ago. He thought for a moment, and Willie answered, Me. Pretty much straight up there. High school teacher uh, walking through the class as the students are taking a true and false test. And everyone is uh, just reading through it and circling the true or false answers as they saw fit. And he comes across one student who's flipping a coin. And so he walks up to his desk. He says, son, what what are you doing?" He said, well, I'm getting the answers for the test. And so they all finished taking the test and everybody put their pens down and, and uh, he put his down and he continued to flip his coin. The teacher said, well, well, why are you flipping your coin now? He said, I'm just checking the answers. <laughs> I'm just checking the answers. So Uh, Yeah, there's all kinds of things going on in school, and uh, we just know that it's going to be an interesting year. Everybody said? Amen. It's been an interesting year already, hasn't it? If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 14 and verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and and turned to him, he said, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said... If anyone comes to me and does not hate, that's a big word, does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You've got to take everything in consideration in Scripture. One verse of Scripture, one word, can't be taken out of context. It has to be brought together as the whole Scripture. Now, we know in Exodus, the Scripture tells us that parents uh, are to be honored by their children. And uh, because uh, the children are going to have a long life, they need to honor and obey their parents in the Lord in order to have a long life. And my answer to that is there's a reason why we obey, and that is because we want to (laughs) live. And so... uh, so the the concept here Jesus is saying you have to hate, what he's really saying is, is that you have to love me more. When it comes to life, we have to do the math. For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Smart man. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit for the soil, not for the manure pile. It is, it is fit neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The cost of discipleship, figuring the math. Jesus is saying you have to recognize that this is not just a fly-by-night operation. Loving Jesus and being his disciple is something you have to count the cost. You have to think about what you're going to do. You're going to give up your own will and you're going to take on the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be Christ's disciple is to make Lord of all. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so we have to surrender our will and our willingness to walk with God. It says to take up your cross. That doesn't sound real exciting because Jesus, when he was carrying the cross, he was headed towards death. Well, we die to ourself and we live to the Lord Jesus Christ. To carry the cross means that we may go through suffering. We may grow through suffering. And what's the scripture say about suffering and how we're supposed to handle suffering? In Romans chapter 8, one of the hallmark chapters of the Bible, I consider that our present sufferings, notice it says sufferings, doesn't say singular, it's plural. So that means that we're going to go through some stuff. I consider the glory of the Lord lives within us now, and the Holy Spirit praying through us brings us to a point of being edifying the inner man and there's glory the glory of god is with us but not anywhere near the portion of glory that we're going to experience in heaven building the tower you have to figure the cost in today's economy there's no way of figuring you just launch out and hope you got enough to make it because it changes daily and sometimes the prices are coming down in some places on some items for for building I believe things will get better. You'll say, well, how is that? Well, we're going to be raptured someday. And this is not our home. Our, our permanent residence is heaven. Amen? We're just passing through. We're just passing through, folks. We're just passing through. We're not going to stay here. Uh, we're going to go to heaven and be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we we have to count the cost in building this tower Or else we're just a laughing stock of the community. And so living for Jesus, you have to count the cost. And the cost is more than what we want to understand it to be sometimes. Giving up house and home. Giving up things that uh, aren't sinful, just aren't going to be good for your situation. And as you surrender to the Lord, uh, all these things... Come together and God's blessings rests upon you. The disciple must uh, must have quality. Talked about the salt washing away and then it's nothing good but but just be thrown out. And that, that we must have a quality life. That we live our life as unto the Lord, not as unto man, not as unto our own wishes, our own desires, but we live our life unto the Lord. And we are his disciple. And he walks with us. We must do the math. And know that it's going to cost something. To be a disciple. Does it cost anything to get saved? No. You just say God forgive me of my sins. He paid the price. We're forgiven. But then to be his disciple. We've got to move on. And begin to read the word. We've got to begin to pray. We've got to give uh, out of our heart. Blessings to others. Knowing that God has blessed us. We must bless others. And so. Counting the cost of being a disciple is is taking the time to say, God, I want your blessing in my life. And if I'm going to have your blessing, I must carry my cross. Chapter 15 begins with, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Do you see the rotten attitude of the Pharisees? I mean, they are just adamant. This Jesus, look, he can't be anything of value because he just pulls tax collectors and sinners, the most worst people in the world, that's who is around him, and and he's actually welcoming them. He's spending time with them. And so Jesus now has an audience that he's going to preach to. He's going to share parables with them that just kind of highlights who they are and where they're at in life then jesus told them this parable suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he is found and when he finds it he joyfully puts on his shoulders and he goes home and then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent." This story has been misquoted and misunderstood for many years. Someone has gotten the bright idea that this particular sheep has wandered off by itself. The shepherd picks it up, breaks its leg, puts it on its shoulder, takes it home, mends the leg, and now that little sheep will stay close to him. Scripture has never, ever added that concept. And it is, it is a myth, and the, sh- the sheep has strayed away. And some people call sheep stupid animals. But they're not stupid in the sense that they try to stay together. Now, they do have a problem when it comes to moving from place to place. They follow the leader. And if the leader goes over the cliff... They don't have enough common sense to stop, they just follow the leader. See them run stiff-legged because they were scared out of their mind. They were getting away. That's the only defense they have. They can't defend themselves. That's why they need a shepherd. They they will eat poisonous weeds because they don't know any better. The sheep needs a shepherd. They'll have a hard time finding water. The shepherd must find them water. And so they're they're a unique individual. Uh, in the family kingdom. And so we see that this lost sheep is of value. It's it's valuable because how many other sheep will this particular sheep bear in its lifetime? And so there's value in just one sheep. And I, I want you to understand that this is also talking about you and I, that God sees value in you. You say, well, I'm just one person. And God says, exactly. And you're valuable. But I'm just one person. I can't do it. No, no, you're valuable. You're one person. I value you. He goes on to share another step of the parable. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The coin of value. The lost and found department. That's kind of what I call this chapter. The lost and found department. You lose a coin. A coin can roll on its edge a quite large distance away from where you drop it. And so she's lost the coin and she has to sweep out the house. She is going after finding this coin. So God is going after the sinner. And it behooves us to realize that if God is concerned about sinners... And wants to reach out. And bring them into salvation. Shouldn't we be praying. God help me to be your hand extended. To a sinner. To somebody that doesn't know you. to somebody that thinks they know you. But they don't know you. You see that's part of witnessing in America right now. Uh, more so probably in the last 20 years. Than it is right now. And That is. A lot of people think they live in america they're a christian because they're they're american they think they're all right because they do good things and part of the process of getting people found we have to get them lost first just because you do good things and you don't do bad things doesn't make you a christian what makes you a christian is saying lord jesus come into my heart I want to live for you all the days of my life. And because I've made that declaration and you have forgiven me of my sins, I don't want any separation between you, Heavenly Father, and myself. So therefore, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to find a church to associate with. I'm going to be a Christian people. And I'm going to reach out to others who are just like me, who didn't know you. And I need your Holy Spirit to give me the ability to love people just the way they are. How many of you know that some people are just aggravating they're just aggravating. You look at them, you try to talk to them, and they're just aggravating. They're, they're just not pleasant to be around. Those are the type of people that you need to get close to and say, okay, God, prove your love in my heart. State. So he divided the property between them. Two sons. The oldest son in, the, in this day and age of history would get two-thirds of the inheritance. The younger son would get one third. Now, did the father give him the total one-third? I don't know for sure because it doesn't specifically say that he received his total inheritance, but he gave him at least part of his inheritance. Now, not long after that the young man got together, all he had set off for a distant country and there was squandering his wealth in wild living after he had spent everything didn't take him long but he spent everything there was a severe famine severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to his field to feed pigs so here's this to get out of this mess that's what it is about coming to your senses when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? How many of the guys are working for my dad—they're—they're—they're they're, they're not hungry like I am. I'm starving to death right now. I would almost like to eat the pig slop. I, I'm needing—I'm needing food. I—what am I going to do? How am I going to get this done? And—and and I'm thinking about to the guys that work for Dad. They have food to spare. They're not hungry like I am. And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He's come to his senses. To admit that you've sinned against God and you've sinned against your family. You're coming to your senses. I have sinned against heaven against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The power of love between a father and a son. The power of love between a family is is astounding and this father is being very compassionate towards his son the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven and against you i'm no longer worthy to be called your son that's a spirit of humility total humility but the father said to him said to his servants rather quick Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. He didn't have the ring. He didn't have sandals. He didn't have clothes. He was destitute. He was totally in need. You see, today, it wouldn't be a ring. It would be a credit card because this ring was the family ring. It was a signet ring. It was the ring that you would go into the shop and they would say, put it on dad's tab and they'd take the ring and they'd stick it in the wax and they'd leave an imprint and dad would have to come back and pay the bill eventually. That was the old-fashioned credit card. And so the son is totally invested back into the entire family tree bringing the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. What an exciting story. This is thrilling. He comes home. He's he's lived a horrible life, but he comes back a repentant heart saying, forgive me, dad. Forgive me, God. I messed up. I need help. And the dad says, no, you can't be a servant. You got to be my son and gave him total rights of sonship once again. Meanwhile, the older son in the field, when he came near the house and he heard the music and the dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on at my house? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. how he says it not my brother he disowns him of his brother he says but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home you kill the fatted calf for him my son the father said you are always with me and everything i have is yours But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours, this brother of yours, was dead and is alive again. He he was lost, but he's found. He's come home. We've got to celebrate, son. Don't you understand? No, he didn't understand. Even though he was obedient to go to work, even though he was obedient to do the things his father asked him to do, he had a spirit of rebellion. The willful son left and went out and wandered everything. The oldest son stayed at home and resented the son for leaving. The oldest son had a problem of pride and he wasn't willing to submit to leadership. He was very frustrated. And the concept is, is that sometimes people can do the right thing but still not be saved. He was doing the right thing by going to the field and working, but his attitude towards his brother was evil, and he hated his brother for what he had done. And we, we've got to recognize the fact that these all these parables come together, and it's about the lost being found. And it it shares it in so many different avenues of thinking in so many different ways of stating the fact that when people are lost they need somebody to help them be found the coin needed the lady to go find it the sheep needed the shepherd to go find it the son needed to come home and the dad needed to forgive him and accept him back into the family but the son who was willful came to his senses and came to a spirit of repentance. And said, dad, I don't deserve it. And his dad says, you're my son. I love you. And the power of of repentance, true repentance, is unbelievable. And when we come to God with a true repentant spirit, a true repentant spirit, the blessings of God will flow. We just need to walk in the freshness of God's Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Read the word. Pray each day. Seek the face of God. Know that God cares for every one of us. He cares for every one of us. And there's not one person, there is not one person that God doesn't want to be saved. God wants everyone to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this illustration really tells us that just because you consider yourself one person, God sees you as valuable. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you For these parables that talk about lostness. And how that things can come to being found. And Lord we are all sinners. We are lost in our sin. And the degradation of this world's sin. But when we repent and say. God forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. You renew a right spirit deep within us. When we say God forgive us. You're there saying you're forgiven. When we confess our sins to you, you are saying, I have put him in the lake of forgiveness, never to remember it back to your account. God, you care for us today. You care for us as individuals. Each one of us, Lord, is very special in your sight. Your son died on Calvary's cross for our sins. And as we recognize that maybe we're just one person, It doesn't matter because, God, you're concerned about one person. Help us, O God. Help us, O God, to take on your heart, to love individuals, even though they may be just one person. God, that's who you have put into our life to love and to lead them to Christ. Give us the ability, Lord, to love people and give us the ability to speak kind words to them and give us the ability to lead them to Jesus. Lord, I pray you would prepare their hearts, prepare the heart of the sinner, prepare the heart of that one that's out there that needs the salvation message. Lord, prepare their hearts to receive our love, to receive our message about Jesus, that they in turn will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done and what you're going to do in Jesus name. Amen. Friend, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior through this prayer today, the key now is just to read the Word every day. The key is to spend time in God's presence. The key is to seek out a a fellowship of believers. The key is to change the radio station from secular music to gospel music and just begin to saturate yourself with the presence of God. And God will prosper you all the days of your life. God bless you. Have a great day. We're going to continue to have altar service here. And trust that you'll spend time at prayer at home. God bless you.